I really like it when only one person laughs at a joke. That's <laughs> I feel like I've won. If there's like one person who just like you just hear a like single laugh of somebody just doing it because quite often like if it's the other way around and I'm in the audience for a show, I will be the one person laughing. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better, better, better acquainted with you. Today we're getting better acquainted with Lauren. Hello, Lauren. Hello. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the first question that I ask everybody is, how do you know me? I think we first met at a Spark London thing, so that's like the true storytelling night, and... I think I probably met you at the Brixton one, but I think we only properly had a conversation when I did whatever it was, Spark Encore with uh, Tam Tamer Katan was there. Oh, right. he, was, he was headlining that thing, and I was, and I'd been asked to come back and tell a story, and I and actually I fell over outside the pub on my way there. I wasn't even drunk, and I just turned up really like flustered and like with a bloody knee, and was like, "Hello, I'm here to tell a story." And so I think that was one of one of the first times that I had a proper chat with you not... that's right yeah that was we were at the Spark Encore that was the start of Spark Encore so now uh, Spark Encore happens at the Exmouth Market Theatre on the last Thursday of the month yeah. um, I think then we were on the first Monday of the month at uh, the Cafe Canal Theatre which is yeah. the theatre where Spark all began uh, everything that they did uh, and do um, and Yeah, I remember that. I came. I was doing sort of like social media for Spark at the time, and so I was kind of event involved in every event. So I came along. I don't think I was telling a story or anything. I was just. I think I was live tweeting uh, about it. And then I remember. Yeah, we sat outside uh, and and had quite a long chat. I thought, well, you know, it seems long to me now. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Whereas you know, and it was really interesting to sort of like, I don't know, like I think. You're really, you've got a really interesting like presence to be around, um, <laughs> which isn't like meant in, in any kind of negative way. Like it's just that you know you're quite a unique uh, person, I think, in terms of like. I guess kind of the sorts of things that I'm interested in as a performer is kind of what you kind of embody as a person and as a performer, which is like a kind of awkwardness, but a a comfortableness with the fact that you're awkward, like an acceptance that I'm awkward and like, I don't care actually that much. Um, Yeah, so I've been kind of just describing as like, uh, I sort of thrive in the grey areas of conversations. I really actually enjoy that. My housemate confronted... Well, not really confronted me, but he he was talking to me about this recently and just sort of said, I suspect, and don't take this the wrong way, that you actually... Awkwardness is kind of a game for you. Like, you quite enjoy it, don't you? And I was like, oh, no, I've been rumbled. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's... Yeah, I'm OK with it. I'm OK with it. I think if I wasn't okay with it, I'd be very unhappy because lots of awkward things happen to me all the time. But, right. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing that I found is, is quite interesting. So you've told true stories at Spark, yeah. um, but you've also kind of, uh, through that uh, and me, like have done stuff with stand-up tragedy, yeah. um, which have been a little bit more kind of comedy-focused rather than yeah. uh, rather than a true story. And in fact, the last piece you did with, uh, with stand-up tragedy was a, was a kind of retelling of a fairy story, which yeah. was kind of fiction, uh, kind of mixed in with your kind of 
uh, off-kilter view of the world, if you yeah. like. Um, and I loved that. And I loved uh, watching your comedy. But what I've learned from sort of seeing you do that is it's very deliberate. And like what you appear as a performer, like one of the joys of watching you is like how random it seems and how un- <laughs> undeliberate it is. But because yeah. I've seen you do it in a kind of few, a few yeah, times, a few different I've sort of realised how you've, how you really crafted that awkwardness oh, and well, that kind of, cool. re- but also like are allowing it to be real. You know, there yeah. is a kind of improvisational nature of, of it slightly. Like you're allowing the moment, you know, you haven't yeah. fully pared down everything. You're, you're alive to weird awkwardness that can come from the room yeah definitely definitely i i really like it when only one person laughs at a joke that's <laughs> i feel like i've won if there's like one person who just like you just hear a like single laugh of somebody just doing it because quite often like if it's the other way around and i'm in the audience for a show i will be the one person laughing at one at one kind of you know understated kind of thing and 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 so I like it the other way, you know, I like it when it's when it's sort of me making one person laugh and everyone else is going, what? Right. So uh, that's that's nice. It makes me sort of feel desperately niche. Right. And I think it's a kind of like what I've enjoyed about it. And I didn't start off performing like awkwardly being comfortable with being awkward. Like it's yeah. been a little bit of a journey for me, yeah, I guess. Like of started course. off doing stories at Spark, which like had a nervous awkwardness about them. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't like focusing on that. I was just trying to tell my story. Yeah. Uh, and then at Stand Up Tragedy, when I started hosting, I realised how awkward like I was and realised, I guess after a while, sometimes people laughed at yeah. the awkwardness and were comfortable with it. Other times they weren't. And it was my, and I've learned how to, how to make people more comfortable with the fact that I'm awkward. Like, like people really squirm and can't deal if they don't feel that the performer has control over yeah. stuff. But now, like, I can be awkward and in control, and I think yeah. people really I mean, respond to that. One of the things that I really appreciate about you as a compare and as you know, like I've, I've spoken to other people about this and sort of said like the reason that I think that it works particularly well is because you know you haven't you're not too kind of slick about it all it's not it's it's not kind of because i find a little bit of awkwardness is brilliant because you it just instantly makes everybody feel at ease the thing right. about stand-up tragedy i felt like everyone just instantly felt at ease because they were able to feel kind of on a level with you rather than you know having somebody who's very kind of it's sort of no. This makes it sound like a backhanded compliment, but it isn't. It's it's just kind of too like I don't enjoy it when compares are too polished and too kind of when it seems to be very easy for them because I sort of think oh no that's going to make me more nervous about the awkward aspects of my performance. Right. So yeah, I think it's good. I think awkward. Well, awkwardness I, is good. I think it connects with, and I've realised it connects with audiences for, because, and I, and I've also it's, it's kind of like what you're saying about being the one person laughing. I've come to realise that like the thing I can give to audiences is also what I like to get from performers, which is yeah. a kind of sense that it's okay to be weird. It's okay yeah. to be awkward. It's okay to be different. It's okay to be whoever you are. Yeah, and like so when you get reassuring. that permission, it's it's great. And I think when, when the the host and the compare of a night is, is that, hopefully it allows the acts to feel like yeah. you're talking about, but also hopefully the audience as well. Like, yeah. you know, and, and 
I don't know, I was listening to this other podcast um, that I recommend uh, called uh, the Song by Song podcast, which uh, is sort of done by Martin Ostwick and Sam Pei and the guest. And it's about Tom Waits' songs. Uh, And on a recent episode of that, they were talking about flaws in songs, like when things go like a little bit out of tune or there's a bum note or there's like a you can hear the guitarist like breathing or whatever, those kind of things. And like Martin, Martin was saying, like the cracks in things are kind of what makes you kind of feel like okay that's something that I can relate to it's not sort of of like out there and you can't like you know it's not above you like you were saying and I think that's really true like I like that in songs I like that in comedy I like that in everything when you when you when you feel like it's not slick it's real right and I like real more because that's something that I I, that's me as well as yeah. it's a conversation between me and the performer rather than them telling me the thing and me being impressed by it yeah I yeah I can't you know obviously there are, there are performances like that that I enjoy but I think I enjoy the ones more where you know like comedians occasionally crack themselves up or like you know or forget what they're doing or you know like on a song you can hear kind of the rattle of the guitar or right. you know something something happening I think that's yeah that's enjoyable and the second question I ask everybody is what do you do now <laughs> and you know sometimes it makes people like break down into existential angst and sometimes uh, it doesn't no um, <laughs> hopefully it won't make me break down into existential angst I'm doing lots of things Dave I'm I just so I moved to Newcastle um, right. since I last saw you I think and I have joined the house band for the circus um so so i'm in a circus band um and i'm also doing loads of writing and trying to kind of work out places to do some comedy in newcastle so i'm kind of only just starting to do that i feel like i spent a little while sort of blundering about and not really knowing what I was doing, but I feel like I know sort of more like I know what I'm doing now. Um, so yeah, writing a lot and, and trying to do more comedy. And I'm also um, just starting to work on a play with a theatre company from Sheffield um, who I really like. And so I'm yeah doing, doing loads of different things, um, but it's all very exciting. Right, because you seem to be like the kind of creative person, if you like, that that is like me, and that you do a lot of different kinds of things. You're not like just in one medium. Like you yeah. sing, right? You've got an amazing voice. Uh. Like you're one of those people who it's like who the fact that you've got an amazing voice is a massive surprise, and I mean this in a good way. And it's because you are so awkward, and that's your kind of stage persona. Yeah. But suddenly, when this beautiful sound comes out of somebody who has been so awkward the moment the moment <laughs> before, and I know a few performers like this, I've, and and I've, I've got a few friends who have this kind of contri- contribution to the world. I always wish that that was that was how my singing is. It's not quite beautiful enough to sort of like make people surprised that I make that sound. Um, but you you've got that. Um, and I and I, I I really like it. Like well, I, and that's very kind. Jack Dawes landed on the roof of my house in a dream, in a dream, in a dream. Because they recognised me as one of their own. They spoke to me. They spoke to me. They spoke to me. Blue eyes. 
is what's the situation And I replied I've never known the answer to that question Blue eyes, what's the situation? And I replied, I've never known the answer to that question. We'll drink a beer under a sky, the color of a dirty mattress. I will watch you roll tobacco by the window, and I wonder what this is. And you'll ask me, what's the situation? But you should know, I've never known the answer to that question. Blue eyes, what's the situation? Try to get home on my own by the light of the buses. I'll fly off like Jackdaw from the roof of your house, mumble something to your sleeping eyes about flying south. I'll fly off like a jackdaw from the roof of your house. I can feel it in my feathers that I don't. Want to stick around? I've only sort of discovered that. I feel like I've discovered how great a singer you were too late. With like Sandra Tresley's having a year off, like the main yeah. shows, and you, like, I've all, I'm always trying to get like brilliant singers along because it's actually quite hard to find singers who fit Sandra Tresley. I always thought it would be easy because everyone's got sad songs, yeah. but like somehow. I don't know, singers are like a little bit like less into the idea of kind of coming to a variety night quite yeah. often. And I get I get it. It's I don't know, I've, I'm starting to meet some pe- people who would be really excited about it. So well, well, that's the other thing as well. It's like who you find, like, you yeah. know, you, you, it is who you know, sadly, in the arts. And like, but that, that works both ways in terms of like, I want to get marginalised voices. It's hard yeah. to, f- I don't know them. So, like, just as much as I don't necessarily... When I started, I didn't know the people who could open doors for me. Yeah. I don't really know the people who I could open doors for. Um, yeah. But I'm interested in finding them. So, yeah, that's good that you yeah. know some people. Or, incidentally, um, when, you know, re- remember this off mic, uh, I, I've got some friends and kind of connections in the spoken word scene in, in Newcastle. Oh, bit. So, you can... I'm happy to share them with you. Although, I haven't got any comedy ones, but I've got spoken word stuff. And, no, I'm just... Yeah. Yeah, it's it's actually quite um, quite interesting and quite fun to sort of tr- try it out when I meet new people and sort of say the words out loud. Oh yes, I'm a comedian because it always feels always feels like I'm testing it. I mean, I was had a whole chat with Tamo when we were both in Edinburgh. Well, it must be two years ago now, um, and we we sort of were talking about 
or uh, he he's certainly somebody who's who's talked about kind of the idea of actually admitting to people that you're a comedian it feels kind of like a confession sometimes and to say it with courage uh is often quite difficult it takes a long time before you before you go yes i actually am you know no matter how many gigs you're doing or or what kind of sort of state your careers in to, to kind of just go yeah that's me that's who i am is quite sort of interesting and courageous um but yeah so yeah i mean that yeah and the kind of comedy you do as well like it's a double challenge right like it's hard to admit that you're a comedian and it's even harder to admit that you're a comedian that makes kind of comedy that's not going to fit the like main model like yeah. everyone's going to be like exp- you know oh you're a comedian what you know <laughs> tell us tell a us joke. a joke <laughs> like, tell us a joke yeah, yeah. And your 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 stuff, you know, there's, there are jokes there, but there, it's 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 <laughs> you have to work for them. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's not. I mean, it's not about the jokes. The thing that's funny is the lot of things around it. Like yeah. you can't describe to someone in a in a, a joke punchline setup. You can only do it for them. Yeah. I mean, and I think people shouldn't find it hard to believe you're a comedian because you know you walk through the world in a, like a very funny way like anyone who interacts <laughs> with you should find you funny you've seen I, my funny yeah, walk haven't you <laughs> well no, i'm not yeah, you know no. i'm not suggesting like yeah i'm not suggesting that i just mean that like you're fun and funny in conversation Good. um and so hopefully people can like go oh excellent right Understood. i understand why yeah. you're a com- comedian but yeah. You know, people are weird, so I can't, I can't. I'm not vouching for them. I'm not vouching for society. They're like, you know, they're a vast array of opinions. Always, always had you down as a representative for society. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, that's that's how everyone sees me as you know, an everyman. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> not um, weird in any way. No, not at all. So, yeah, I mean, I guess, like, how did all of this sort of like making stuff and create? Oh no, first of all, before I ask you that. How right. did you end up in... New- Why have you gone to Newcastle? Because I guess like you're not from Newcastle. No. Um, Why have you gone? Um, okay, so I've been kind of living all over the place for a few years and kind of travelling up and down the country and living on other people's sofas. And, um, and I kind of did live in London for a bit um, and... And I was finding London quite difficult. I was finding London quite stressful. Mm. Um, and, you know, thought, actually, that there's other places to go. And I know a lot of people in Newcastle. Um, a lot of my friends from university moved there after university. I've got friends there who are in a, um, a kind of folk band up there. And uh, my friend Rosie particularly um, has been sort of petitioning me for probably since we left university to to move to Newcastle as well and eventually I just kind of caved in and said yeah all right um because I really like it there and you know there's actually quite um you know the arts scene in Newcastle is fantastic yeah no sure there's there's all sorts of stuff going on um you know much as the you know there's there's all sorts of stuff going on in London but um but there's almost too much stuff going on in London. Yeah, it's quite. I mean, quite overwhelming. You know exactly. I, I often think about stand-up tragedy like it's a very unique night 
if in, in a different city. But in London, there's loads of unique nights. So unique nights aren't unique. Like, yeah. so like I, sometimes I think, you know, stand-up tragedy would do better in an area where, you know, there was less to do. There was less to yeah. compete against. And I definitely think, like, as far as I understand, like, Newcastle is a, has, has got loads of arts going on. Like, it was the European capital of culture or whatever the, yeah. that nonsense is. And that, did, you know, had some effect, I think, yeah. up there from talking to people. My brother lives uh, in Newcastle and he, is like, makes visual art there. And, yeah. I know, like, everybody I know from Newcastle, actually, all of them are artists. Yeah. It's, so, um... you know, from that... W- completely not necessarily representative survey yeah it's working no it's wonderful it's a wonderful city and it's very beautiful and there's a lot of space i feel like um when i come to london i find it very kind of like there isn't so much space even just sort of physically between people if you're walking down the street you're kind of like fenced in a lot of the time and and i like to be able to sort of you know not get elbowed on the tube and things like uh newcastle has its own underground system which is the metro um and it's only got two lines and it's never busy it's just it's 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 amazing um so kind of compared to being sort of tucked into a businessman's armpit on the tube um it's 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 a relief right and what do you do to make money Ah, all sorts of bits and pieces i'm kind of patching together a living at the moment so it's not very easy no sure I mean I'm also patching together a living so solidarity on that Um, I mean what would you what do you just say if someone says how like what do you do for a living what's your answer Um, I'm doing circus music I'm getting paid to do circus music so So that's the that's good that's a good answer that's a yeah I mean we're kind of you know uh, we've only just really started started up and there are other things that I'm doing that are probably you know like I'm doing a bit of admin and and stuff like that and right. helping my um my friend out with her sewing jobs and stuff like that so I think it's you know it's it's not the complete picture but I think if anybody asks me I'll find it most impressive to say that I'm playing music for the circus right yeah um, yeah yeah which I is... mean yeah I mean I only ask about that sort of stuff because it is like such a tricky thing to be an artist uh, and live and so yeah. there's like you either you've got some money behind you or you are yeah like struggling yeah. uh, there's the, those are the only two ways of being really and you know unless you're unless you're successful in the, like a significant way which is very hard to to do which is not to say I don't think that both of us one day will make that <laughs> make that impossible journey yeah. but like I think it's always interesting and important for listeners to understand sort of like some of the context around that and also I guess we don't talk about money enough in society for something that completely and utterly we're all completely beholden to yeah I was talking to a friend of mine last oh, the last time I saw him maybe um, and he's Korean and he was talking about the kind of culture in Korea is a lot different in that people talk about money all the time. They're just like, they, you know, they would sort of just like sit down with their friends and be like, hey man, how much debt are you in? Like, what are you earning? What's the... And it's just talked about all the time. Mm. Whereas I think maybe in, you know, English people are quite squeamish about that. Um, and yeah, it was it was just interesting to sort of, you know... I don't know whether I would be able to handle everybody suddenly opening up that conversation and going, how much do you earn? Because I, I, you know, like it's just sort of, I think most people I know are scraping a living at the moment. 
Yeah, well, my dad, my dad always says it'd be quite good if everyone had it like written on their forehead, so you did, you knew like when you were talking to them, like who should buy the next round. Yeah, like, you both, you know, and that's kind of like the that's the the reason why I do think it's important to talk about these things because, like, it's hard to be fair to each other if we don't know where each other are coming from. Like, I if I've got more money than someone, I'll always buy them the drink right but if but you know at the same time if someone else has got more money than me it would be really handy if they would buy me the drink you know and so it's like if we don't talk about it we can't really work out where people are I mean the other day I was um I was with some friends actually so I hadn't seen for ages like who I like who I went to uni with and they're like they've got money and they've got like and and, you know they're all nice but they've all got money and they've got two kids as well so they need the money but both 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 groups of friends but and you know we were talking about how I'm doing, and yeah. like I, I was sort of saying you know describing how like how precarious, but also you know we're not doing like I'm very aware that it's like I guess we've got the luxury to struggle like there's still a, there's still a privilege in struggling like yeah. like you know we, we, there's enough things that can catch us that that we can make like the eke out this living and make yeah. these kind of choices, but. Like I was trying to describe it and I was sort of like talking about me and my partner Jen and I was saying how she um how she like is the one with the salary, like and I was sort of like saying that because to, to sort of like reassure them in a way that there was some money coming in and like my point wasn't like about, you know, men should have the salary or women should have the salary. And then later on I was sort of it came up again and like it turned out that like somebody had interpreted me thinking that the salaries were important as kind of a yeah. patriarchal like um i'm in, i'm disempowered because i'm no longer someone who oh, has a salary yeah that's very strange and, well i kind of get why why she made that interpretation in my statements and i think it's because she's not the kind of p- poor i am and some other people are a different kind of poor to me like there's all of these different mm. or like whatever like she doesn't understand what it's like to like be at the like breadline as far as I can understand it and so I think that's why she kind of thought that she interpreted it that way whereas what I was trying to say was you know I was trying to express my emotions around not being disempowered because I haven't yeah because I'm a man who hasn't got a salary and my partner has but the point I was trying to make is she's got a salary and we still don't have enough for the rent like yeah like I don't have a salary and that's something I feel like um, because of that, I'm potentially a burden to her. That's yeah. a genderless position, I think. Like anyone can be potentially yeah, a burden be to somebody else, and I think she has felt the same way when I've been the one who's had the security or the, yeah. or the more money, whatever. So yeah, it's a, it's a, so it's. It, I think it is important to talk about these things. I think kind of if we don't, those kind of mistakes happen that people like don't hear the actual things that people are saying. They yeah. interpret through their lens of like their concerns. Um, which are important concerns too. Like I, I think it's important to to look at. Like I'm making a show about that. But yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, you know, I, I I think money's yeah always a big issue for artists, particularly, but for everyone, absolutely. I mean, and it's I'm not I'm certainly not saying as well that artists have it worse than other like people who are struggling on a much worse level than we are. You know, that's the thing. Yeah. Like artists need better workers rights but out of all of the groups like <laughs> we also have quite a lot of power when we get in the right positions yeah. you know, whereas other groups have very and little like, power like we're not student nurses so right exactly yeah. we don't we're not cleaners we're not student nurses we're not even teachers we're not yeah. even, we're not oh. even what are we to society is there a point in making art that's always the problem that I good i'm glad about. we've got to that early what is the point <laughs> yeah um I don't know. I don't know. Dave. I don't know what the point is. Um, 
but yeah, I I know a lot of um, I know a lot of people who are kind of. I mean, for, fortunately, I suppose I'm kind of hanging out with a lot of people who are in a similar position to me at the moment in Newcastle, you know, and and there isn't a kind of uh, there isn't too much tension really. But I think if you know if I meet up with people I knew at university who are now doing a lot better than me money wise, there is a kind of you know right. So you all get the drinks in, right? Because yeah, it's just like a weird te- a weird tension that I sort of knew would happen. Yeah, but. But it's uh, quite sad. It's quite sad that 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 that's there and that you feel, you know. Although I kind of thrive on awkwardness and stuff, it's more of a kind of discomfort in that situation where you just sort of go, "I don't know." You know, there's no way that I can remedy this. Um, right. It's almost like you can't make that situation awkward enough. Like what you want to do is say, "Right." cards on the table let's talk about this without the stigma around money yeah but you can't do that and you kind no, of like of and you feel it so all of these kind of guilt feelings that you've got yeah. about around it I mean you just you don't speak up I think yeah. like I think that's what like work meals right when everyone says suddenly someone says let's split the bill equally and somebody's had like really expensive meal and you've had like a, the, the cheapest possible meal <laughs> and suddenly you're paying like uh, those kind of moments yeah. like you want to say hey this is completely out of order but you don't yeah, you can't. You and then can't. you like, and then like afterwards, you're like, oh, how can I like, what, where can I find? Well, right, I've got to get twenty quid into my bank really quickly because it's not going to go through. You know all that stuff. Yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. I mean, fortunately, you know, like, sort of being pretty much in the same situation as as my friends, we all kind of support each other. We're right. all, we've all got each other's backs. I think. Well, I'd like, I mean, and also, I mean, I, that said, you know, I I would also like to say that even my, you know, well-to-do friends, like, yeah. they yeah, they, they, course, they yeah, are nice not... people and they're perfectly capable of understanding this stuff when it's explained to them, but they don't necessarily think of it straight away. And that's yeah, the kind just, of point of money and privilege and all these things. It's just kind of occasionally, it's an occasional, it's an occasional thing that comes up and you just sort of go, oh, I don't know, don't know what I'm going to do about that. But um, but yeah, maybe earn more money is the thing. <laughs> maybe maybe maybe. We, maybe we just need to get really rich. Yeah, sure. Well, and, we're uh, we're going about it the right way, the, right? Making art. <laughs> the champagne's on us. True storytelling and circus music. Yes. Right, right, right. Um, I mean, there's loads of money in free podcasting. So <laughs> <laughs> I've heard. Well, yeah, actually, I mean, technically, there the, there are always those stories, but there are always those stories in every part of the arts, yeah. like you know. You're always failing until you've made it, but yeah. you know, I don't like to think of myself as failing though. No, I wouldn't. Can I wouldn't? I wouldn't say that. So yeah, I mean, like, when did all of these kind of things that you're interested in doing, like writing, comedy, like, which came first, and like, when did they did it start? Okay, um, <laughs> writing pretty much always I think my mum remembers it as being when I was four that's what I decided that I wanted to be I wanted to write um and the kind of you know like just being always desperate to do storytelling always desperate to read stories and write them and that's kind of maybe changed shape over the years but I think it's pretty much the 
still the same thing, you know, like I it's all, all I feel like all all the different things I do are a kind of writing, you know, stand up comedy is a kind of writing and um in a way even like the photography that I do is 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 like storytelling. Um and so yeah, kind of very very early on, you know, like my family are very creative and I'm I just I just wrote a lot and read a lot. I think I probably read less now than I did when I was a child, but um I I was definitely very absorbed by books for a long time. And yeah, and so writing started very early on and then I think maybe kind of as I got older I picked up other things. I picked up photography when I was a teenager I got a film camera out of a charity shop and, and kind of um became very fixated on that because <laughs> yeah, you're a great photographer too like one of my favorite pictures I've I've, I've got of myself at Standard Tragedy was taken by you oh ex- excellent yeah, that's I really like that that's image. that's very good um yeah it's a big joy for me I just got very uh I was actually I, I went this morning to to the photographer's gallery to see an exhibition that I've been really wanting to see um and I, I was just very ex- I'm very excited about that I just was kind of um it's it's something that excites me a lot I kind of found everybody was very quiet in the exhibition this morning you know everybody kind of shuffling around looking carefully at things and I wanted to be sort of running around shouting joyfully being like look look at the colour that was taken in 1950 you know but um I don't think that's acceptable I, th- I thought you know I've, I've already got in for free I should probably not get kicked out <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, when I was a when I was a teenager, photography was a big thing, and um and I think yeah, just sort of since then, music music. I did a bit of music when I was a teenager, which was mostly kind of electronic music and kind of um uh, yeah, just lots of kind of sitting in my bedroom recording samples and and stuff like that, which I think a lot of people find very weird now, um because I play kind of more f- folk influenced stuff like me and an acoustic guitar rather than me and like loads of techno samples um and but they're, i mean they're not separate things though i think like i've 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 made electronica and folk like i yeah. I, th- I can totally see how there's similarities you know you can enjoy both those aesthetics yeah it's uh, it, yeah I, sometimes it feels like two separate things to me those kind of two um types of music that i've made over the course of my life so far uh but actually you know i suppose it is there are crossovers there are there yeah. are you know a lot of it was kind of i was interested in singing and different ways of singing um and so were you recording like your vocals over the top of the yeah and some of it like when i first started out i was singing a bit but mostly doing a kind of like a lot of people take the piss out of me for this uh but i was doing kind of a like spoken word like kind of rap stuff when i was sort of 16 or 17 and um and you know kind of trying to find a way to write stuff that i found interesting that was kind of a, a little bit like poetry but then reading it out and then you know i i don't know i was kind of doing it on my own really which meant that you know I didn't ever really perform any of it 
to anyone. And I don't think anybody... I mean, it was on the internet, but I don't think I really... I don't think many people I knew really knew what I was doing. So I don't think I... I think it was more of an experiment than anything else. I made some very strange music in my life, like in that kind of a way, really, in terms of like... Yeah, it's experiment. Like the year after uni, I like spent, yeah, a year like making... Like, I can't listen back to it now. Uh, I'm not saying it's good, but it was definitely like exploring the edit, you know, exploring the editing editing process and yeah, like, and, and vocal process and and like you say, like spoken word type things and song type things and all of that stuff. And so I think like ex- doing experimentation in an area that you're interested in is only going to be valuable to the work you do. Like I I, I can't stand by my material from no. that time, but. I'm really glad I did it, even if I won't, you know, I wouldn't play it to people now. Wouldn't necessarily revisit it. No, and there's some stuff I would revisit from my musical, and and do uh, revisit from my musical back catalogue, but that's that's really not the, I don't really revisit that time. The thing that makes me cringe is that I made, like at the time I played it to people. And like, I wish I hadn't done that. Like, I like, I just remembering like the faces of friends after they've like sat through like a weird song and like, they don't know what to say like, <laughs> how, do you, how do you say like this that what was that <laughs> yeah yeah uh, but that was after like, I started off doing in bands doing songs so yeah. the people I was playing that to were used to me doing songs and they were like yeah this is yeah you, you know what's happened to him <laughs> he's, he's he's got all of his skills have gone I um, think I was in a couple of different kind of uh, makeshift bands when I was a teenager but I don't think any of them really um took off but the but but mostly I was just doing kind of like sampling by myself in my room um and was that that was basically your instrument at that time like samples was it or did you did you play something too yeah I I kind of played a bit of I think it was when I was a teenager that I started playing the ukulele so I uh my dad had one that he'd bought um for a for a for a joke that he wanted to do because um, he was uh, he's he's like an actor and a director and he was in a um, kind of uh, I don't know like a local variety show and he'd bought it for that and I can't remember I can't remember whether he used it or not um, but but he kind of handed it over to me and said it's you know like it's yours if you want it because I'm not using it anymore um, and and I became kind of quite interested in that and was like using it in a very basic way to, to record samples but actually by the time I got to university I was actually sort of um, writing stuff on it and uh, per- performing with it. Um, I mean, that's how I that's how I got into uh, doing stand up in the first place. Actually, is um, uh, my housemate and in a in second year of university. I didn't I didn't know her very well at all. She was like a a, a stranger who'd kind of we'd had to like get to fill a space in our house, and then um, she'd she'd heard me practicing the ukulele, um, and I didn't think that she was in the house, or I thought she was asleep or something, and then she came downstairs and she was like, I heard you, please come and play that in front of people. Um, and and so I did, which was very, um, I was, it was incredibly nerve-wracking, and I think I just chatted very nervously in between my my songs that I played. And, and afterwards, everyone kind of, was describing me as a comedian and sort of saying, oh, you know, like a, a guy came and said, like, you know, if you're interested in performing with the Comedy Society, 
you know would it'd be good to have you and and i and i just kind of thought okay well that's you know maybe maybe that's something i can do you know that that people laughed a lot at actually the things that i said in between the songs more than more than the songs and and i and i kind of you know eventually did less playing the ukulele and, and more kind of talking um so yeah just in a kind of dingy back room of a pub um doing university cabaret nights that was that was how i how i ended up doing comedy um yeah and i'm i've uh, hopefully i've improved since then but i was i was so nervous i was so, like when i when i did the kind of first thing i was just like what am i doing here um but but i feel i still get really nervous every time i do a set but i but that energy is what you feed them right? yeah 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 it's definitely so it's like what your that's what your aesthetic is like i'm quite a nervy performer on stage so i also relate to that like i it's it's like there are some people who get up and they're like really calm and slow and measured and i admire those people but i am not those people <laughs> yeah no i've got um a really like yeah it is that's probably like feeding off a nervous energy is 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 right i'm um yeah and you're so you're and you're writing kind of you've done that always at the same time as all of these other kinds of art that you've been making um so i'm uh like uh i've i'm quite an obsessive diarist so i've been writing a diary probably for the last 16 years 17 years something like that so since i was since i was very young um and probably 99% of it is tat but um i i i think uh it's a wonderful way to improve as a writer i think it it it's kind of makes me or it has made me more observant and more focused about things that if i hadn't been writing a diary constantly i don't think i would be but then it's also difficult to know now whether like because it's so much part of the fabric of my everyday life because I write every day that that it's difficult to imagine not doing that um one of my tutors at university said uh what would you say if I told you to stop writing and I was like I can't can't do it (laughs) just it's not that's not gonna happen um it was very unnerving but he was like okay I won't (laughs) I'm, I'm not gonna tell you to do that what did you study um, I was studying English, but I kind of uh, talked my way into the creative writing department, and um, and so it was uh, George Tooley, who was one of my tutors. He's a yeah top bloke. And Where did you go? Warwick. Ah, right. Okay. They've got, got a job a... in Warwick. Yeah, like I'm going all around Warwick. And he used to live in Coventry, so there's a yeah connection to a certain extent with that part of the world. Um, yeah, I did creative writing in Lancaster. There's only a few places that do creative writing, so yeah. it's always interesting to know. I think Warwick was on my my list of possibles, but yeah, yeah, because I wanted to do creative writing and theatre, so that's why yeah. I went went to Lancaster. Although 
and maybe would have chosen differently in hindsight but I had you know wouldn't have met the same people wouldn't have had the same life so yeah and also like when did you get did you go to university when you were 17 or 18 yeah I went well, yeah I went when I was eight well I'm, yeah I'm, I was pretty much 19 as soon as I was there because I'm at the top end of the year like yeah. I'm an October kid but um but yeah but I always think you Straight know you're making school. that you're making that decision when you're 17 when yeah. like I just in retrospect feel like it's a little bit ridiculous that anybody asked me to make such a massive decision when I was 17 because you know you there's all sorts of other stuff going on in your brain when you're sort of 17 or 18 that is kind of I think a hindrance to to making kind of uh, sensible sensible decisions (laughs) Um, although it turned out all right you know well and I mean and there's like you know again like I, I agree with that and I often think of my teenage like my teenage years ending in sort of like 21, 22 rather yeah. than actually like 18 when they're in theory supposed to be the end of your adolescence yeah. and, I th- so, and I think that and I feel that but at the same time I'm also very aware that that's also a kind of privileged position like in the you know my sister had uh, a child when she was 16 yeah so like she doesn't like get the choice of like oh I, I've got to be like I, I'm still developing I've still got yeah. to think she she has to just like live and make yeah. decisions and yeah you know, it's a massive privilege. and a lot of people have to work and stuff like that so I, I you know I think we all make mis like yeah we we we're choosing too early when we go to university, for sure. But I, I wish everyone had that opportunity to make the, the choice. Yeah, to, to make to... the opportunity to make a mistake right. or not, or you know, right? Because it's three years of being able to make mistakes to a certain extent. If you've been to university, that's the the kind of yeah. thing you've got. Doesn't matter which university it is. Doesn't matter like if it's a you know well looked on one or a, yeah, or a, or you've a, got the room to to just kind of keep. Keep making mistakes and hopefully learning from them. Right, and if you and if you if you're like me or you and you create stuff as well, you've got an opportunity to make creative mistakes for three yeah. years. Like that's what I think I really valued. Not not to do with the courses; it's to do with the stuff I did outside those courses, the stuff I did on my own and made for myself, and yeah, like definitely. actually had that responsibility. And I guess if you're old enough to have some responsibility, and uh, I guess we're old enough to make some decisions. But I like the thing is, we're not very forgiving to mistakes in general in life. Yeah. Like even so, it's like we you only get opportunity to be sort of making those mistakes for a little while, and then and then it's yeah, yeah. it all ma- the stakes matter, right? The yeah. older we get, <laughs> it's um it's quite interesting actually. Like so, uh, this um, theatre company that I'm working with is Sad Siren Theatre, which is uh, run by a couple of friends of mine, and like Gwillem's, uh, who's kind of directing this show, whatever shape it's gonna take. Um, he, when I saw him last, he was talking about this book that he's reading, and I can't remember who it's by, but it's called The Poetics of Failure, um, and I really uh, want to get hold of a copy, because he was sort of telling us about it and saying, you know, in terms of, uh, I think it's a lot of it is about theatre, but I think it applies to a lot of other things as well, which is that, you know, as soon as you try to present something on stage, you've already failed, and it's about kind of, you know making mistakes and having a, a failure to present something as some being something worthwhile and beautiful in itself you know because he said you can put on a you can put on a kind of classic like russian you can put on the seagull and you know like have a character who is a a kind of elderly russian 
woman and and as soon as you try and do that you're you know you've got an actress who isn't an elderly russian woman and hasn't got all those life experiences and there's no way that they're ever going to be that but the effort that you're putting in to try and make everybody believe it or not is is a wonderful thing it's a wonderful kind of you know uh, uh perhaps you know the kind of collective suspension of disbelief you know you, you kind of go okay for the course of this hour i'm going to believe that that person is something that they're absolutely not and mm. that's and that's kind of quite uh remarkable yeah I wish I could be more articulate about it, actually, because it's... You were actually quite articulate, you know. That was you, that was very articulate, what you said. It's... <laughs> I worry about it, because um, I'm so... I'm, yeah, I'm really excited about this. Uh, I'm excited about a lot of things, but um, but the stuff that we've been talking about um, in terms of what, what sort of shape the play might take it, is um, it's kind of just making me, like, do, like cheerful yelping that's how i'd describe it i just like <laughs> i just sometimes think of things when i'm on the bus and i go ah hooray because uh, you know we, we, we've been talking about kind of um like love and obsolescence uh that was uh, the idea of things you know like um i think we're t- talking about things that we found actually found objects things that you find in charity shops and my thing of finding i've a couple of times I've found rolls of film in charity shop cameras and had them developed. So they're like photographs that belonged to somebody once and I've got no way of tracing who those people are because it's, you know, like 15 or 20 years old or older than that because, you know, if like film's been sort of just kept in an attic and it's not been kind of too badly knocked about, you can still kind of process it. And... and that kind of thing of like something that somebody's loved so intensely or a person, an image of a person that somebody's loved so intensely for such a long time. And like, what, what, what now, you know, you've got this redundant piece of, uh, photography equipment or nearly redundant. Oh, it's arguable. Anyway, don't get me started about that. But, but, you know, an old fashioned piece of photography equipment that, that most people wouldn't, sort of think twice about and and it's just this thing you know like this object that has a lot of associations but only for one person or for like a family of people or maybe not at all because people might have you know maybe they're all dead maybe they're all dead maybe you know somebody's died and donated all their stuff to the right to the charity shop and you know um it's sort of sad and exciting simultaneously. Lots of the best ideas are. Yeah. So so yeah, we've been we've been kind of um, talking about that, and every so often I keep thinking of new things that that I want to tell them, and like things that I find exciting. Um, the idea stage is so fun, isn't it? Yeah. Like that's the thing. Before you've before you've started to actually try and achieve the thing, when you're still kind of coming up with what it is, you can just it can be anything and so yeah. it's so exciting to have those new ideas I think we all found it a little bit overwhelming we did it we did a weekend at um, Theatre Delhi in Sheffield which is a brilliant bloody place and um, so that's the kind of what was the the old Woolworths um, now has has a theatre in the front of it nice. which is really excellent 
um, they're putting on loads of good things. And yeah, so I saw, I sort of saw, although I knew um, Gwilym before from university, I sort of went to photograph a, um, the last show that they did um, last summer, and then uh, he ended up kind of sort of getting in touch with me again and saying, "Do you fancy being in the next thing?" So, Are you acting in it then? Yeah, and you've acted before because I remember one time we were up in Edinburgh at the same time, and you were acting in a show that I didn't manage to see. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've <laughs> I've done all sorts of things, but yeah, acting acting was one of those things. Yeah. Um, and when did acting come along? Like. <laughs> um, uh, so I've kind of always done that as well. A lot of acting because of my dad, I think probably. Right. Um, my, but actually both my parents have, have done kind of acting. But, um, but, but my dad particularly and the kind of local pantomime, me and my dad were both in the local pantomime sort of together for a for a long for a long time for quite a chunk of my childhood as a double act um no (laughs) (laughs) although it sounds like that doesn't it (laughs) (laughs) um no he's he's quite often um the dame in the pantomime and uh, although this year he's the the beast in beauty and the beast um and and I was, you know, like villager number three or whatever. But I think I also did some other, you know, because I was, I think when I started doing it, I was nine. Um, and I sort of took a prolonged break um, when I was 14, maybe. I can't, I can't really remember all the dates. When you got too cool for it. When I got too cool, yeah. I don't think I was all <laughs> like not cool enough. Um I don't know, but anyway, yeah. So we we were in we we're in the when you started to, to try and be cool and uh, feel complicated about the word cool is when you sort of like ended the pantomime. Yeah, I think also like exams as well, right. like GCSEs. I just suddenly was like, there's oh, a whole lot of other things. There's to a do, lot yeah. of things to do, um, but yeah, it was. Um, uh, so I've I've kind of I started out doing pantomimes. Um, so I've got a really big... I Recently, I've realised, over the last couple of years, I've realised I'm really excited about pantomimes as well. Because um, I live in, like, with with my parents, I lived in quite a small town. Uh, and and actually, you know, I and I used to be kind of a little bit cynical about my small town that I came from. And, and then kind of had that cynicism dissolved by going to see a pantomime as an adult and kind of maybe the opportunity to have a gin and tonic in the interval helped but also just the kind of unlike seeing all the people you know in the audience and little children who dress up for it because it's a special occasion and like people with big bags of sweets that they've brought along specially and like people who get a bit rowdy or have like a ridiculous laugh. I love sitting in a row with somebody who's got a ridiculous laugh. And, you know, occasionally I will know the people who are, because it's, you know, the local drum group and I, and I to some extent grew up, you know, in pantomime with, with them you know, I know, I know some of the people who are in it and I can kind of, 
it's 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 funny to, you know of course it's like an in joke really isn't it you go and see a pantomime you sort of find things funny because you know that person you know what they're really like um and it's all very kind of cheeky and ridiculous and full of terrible puns which i also really like um but yeah just that's that's kind of where where that all started out but then i you know to sort of warwick is very um theater heavy as a university right. it's it's um there's loads of kind of young theater companies who have come out of warwick so the 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 theater studies course kind of seems to breed theater companies um but also not necessarily people who've done the theater studies course it it happens to everybody else as well that you you know there are there are some very good opportunities and some, some very good people. Yeah, you kind of. I think also just like meeting people that you that you like at university, and then they sort of say, "Oh, I'm doing a play. Do you want to, you know, like do the set, or do you want to come and be a musician, or you know?" And, and I sort of did did that. So like post post university. Um, was doing doing some stuff like that and ended up kind of I I don't know some some somebody I was there was some kind of thing a while ago that I read that said that they whoever it was the author of this article said I hate uh, <laughs> I hate it when people say they fell into something as though it's like a manhole like take some responsibility for your decisions but it is a kind of slightly windy way that I took to acting because I was doing it you know, when I was nine and being in pantomimes and things and a bit when I was a teenager doing kind of school plays and then sort of at university I did more things around it like photographing things or, uh, you know, I did the set for a production or I'd like helped with the set for production and then eventually kind of after university got into the acting bit um, but yeah, yeah. And you sort of, I guess, all of the sort of like you're a little bit like me. And what I've had to come to sort of terms with is the fact that I can't exactly pin myself down to any kind of particular genre. So I've sort of now I call myself a storyteller because everything I do tells a story. But the word storyteller makes people think that you're like the Pied Piper of Hamlin, right? <laughs> so I have to send, still have to explain. Yeah, what I, I, yeah, still, yeah, I still can't sum it up in a word. Um, I mean, you know, and you seem to be in a similar boat in that you do a lot of different things. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's been a real pleasure getting better acquainted with you. Yeah, I mean, Likewise. I mean, I always enjoy talking to you because you are like, so like, you know, like I said at the beginning, coming around to a certain extent, full circle, I find you a very unique sort of presence and energy. And I like that. I mean, not necessarily kind of like a cup, like you're not, how do you feel about, I guess that's a, a question I should ask. Like, how do you feel about like social social interaction like are, 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 you, are you comfortable with it like yeah. yeah well i mean sort of sometimes yeah. i i it's in a way strangely it's like um it it's i think i feed off a nervous energy in the same way that i do <laughs> when i'm performing and that like i thought you know obviously i feel quite comfortable with you because i know you yeah. but but you know if i'm meeting strangers i'm definitely like uh there's definitely an aspect of um, 
performing myself I suppose you know you do, it's like sort of a mix of uh, a mix of nervousness and excitement a kind of nervous excitement um, and and yeah I don't know I sort of I feel okay about it yeah social yeah. interaction's alright I've kind of got better at it I think um, if you'd asked me that like at the end of university I would have just been like no <laughs> <laughs> um because uh, I, I was very, uh, very nervous. But um, but I'm I'm glad to say that I'm not now. I've kind of I just have come to this resolution that I'm just going to kind of throw myself wholeheartedly into in, into conversations and into interactions, even if it goes disastrously. Because if it goes disastrously, I can make a comedy routine out of it. Right, 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 right. It is a, a tremendous release and relief when you sort of like realise that. Uh, any bad thing that happens to you can be useful material. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's excellent. I've had friends accuse me of um, of only being friends with them for the source material. <laughs> so I'm I'm sure that you sympathise with that. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I have, uh, yeah, I have had similar actually. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to be uh, accused of. Yeah. Um, I mean, because it's true and it's not true. You know, like of course every. Like everything that happens is something that you use. Like I think everybody that's the case with whether they're an artist or not. But at the same time, that's never the whole reason why. You, like that's not why you'd be a friend. Like friendship is is a much more complicated thing than that. Yeah. And also, like I've I've definitely had like sort of like moments with friends where they have thought that I would be kind of take stuff that they have experienced and like use it. Yeah. Um, which. Isn't was not the case, and is not what I would have done. No, like I, I you know, you it, it, you do use people's experiences like through, yeah. uh, but it's it's through a much more complicated sort of like process than just you take someone's personal experience and yeah, like, steal which, it. No, uh, I, be... I mean some people I guess do that, but that is not what what I do, and and certainly. Like I've definitely had moments where people have thought I was interested in the drama of their lives rather than in trying to help them or be there yeah. for them or be like a a good friend. Um, and I don't think that was accurate. Although I can understand why they would make those kind of conclusions because you know circumstances can appear different ways than they are. You know. Oh, I had my gran my grandma. Um, she listened to the recording of. Uh, of when I was tell- telling that um, sort of sad fairy tale at Stand Up Tragedy, and I and I and I opened that story with a lot of jokes about my grandma, except not about her, definitely about a kind of fictionalised grandmother, right? Cause because it was a fairy story. Because it was a fairy story, and I was sort of saying, you know, like um, the stuff about the gingerbread house and teenagers breaking and entering, and 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 after she listened to it, she just said, "Right, well, you're very clever, but." don't tell any more jokes about me and I and I and I, and I thought right I've been warned um but like yeah it's kind of it's funny it's funny I've uh, I've had other friends kind of say to me like you can use that or don't use that um which is yeah a curious a curious dynamic to have with people 
Right, right. And the funny thing for me is, like, I do totally use some people's, like, there are some people, like, you know, a significant portion of my solo show is kind of like, you know, in relation to my mom and my stepdad and various different people who I feel like I've got some rights to their story. Like, their story has massively affected me and yeah. I, I get to tell my story, which happens to involve them. Um, so I, I, ethically, I'm comfortable with my position. Yeah. But like, that's the funny thing is that, like, those are the people who need to be wary. Like, the yeah. actual people, <laughs> like, properly in your life. Like, people who are, like, further away th- from you. Like, sure, like, you might take elements of that yeah, when you write not, characters or whatever. But you're not going to, like, steal them in that kind of way. And also, yeah, often you twist, like things to such an extent that like you know you you might have like one of your favorite like often I do stuff like you know it might be one of my favorite qualities in a friend but I'll put them in a horrible character but it's not it's not me saying that that person is horrible it's just like it's it's me using that thing that I've seen yeah and then you know people are welcome to do that with my life and have (laughs) and have I mean I've I've you know I've actually I've sat through comedy routines which have had references to me within them and, um, and and you know fair enough like it's not comfortable no. um, but it is fair and yeah. I'm all for people doing it to me um but yeah you don't really have to worry unless you're you know my direct family I think in terms of becoming my, 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 my my material but you never know i mean that's the other thing through this com- like through this podcast i've talked about so many people other people's experience all, yeah. all, all the time because you know we're all like connected uh by by different people's stories like you know all of my friends stories as soon as they tell me their stories that's kind of you know that's how it works that's how stories yeah. work they flow um, through society and that like the thing that i've been thinking about and i and i was thinking about this a lot um last year is like uh, a currency of stories how I used to see uh, a friend of mine and when I lived with her it happened more but like you know we when we see each other now it's like you have kind of it feels like you have something to give you've got something really like if I've got a really good like awkward awful story to tell she's a brilliant person to tell it to because she'll just go oh my god oh that's awful (laughs) and like but but then you know if she's got something really awful to tell me as well that's also great and I and I love that kind of you know exchange and currency with people and having a really good story kind of in my pocket that I want to kind of share with everyone that's 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 the best that's right. that's a really um that's a really exciting thing for me is like you know and working out how i'm going to tell everyone um that's i find that really interesting right right i mean definitely i mean that's and that's and that's kind of that kind of sums up in a way a lot of what i've been getting at when i've been saying like you're a unique person to come into contact with and you're like entertaining and people should find you like they should realize that you're a comedian or whatever is that yeah you have that delight in that you've got a story in your pocket like quite often when you meet yeah when I've met you you've been like you you like kind of launch into the story that you've got and it's 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 tremendous fun and like that's the thing like um and what I've what I've learned about this kind of currency of stories is that you know everybody's got them and everybody wants to share them and that's what I love about Spark London is that people kind of come and you know, do swap and exchange. Oh, people stories. come out of the woodwork in right. such a wonderful right. way, and yeah. just and no conversation in that room after it's after after it started 
is small talk. Like in the breaks, oh, nobody's using so, small talk. Everyone's it's like, so good. Oh, you know, and they're just connecting and the like, ice, sharing. Yeah. The ice is immediately broken. Yeah. People just come up to you and they go, I hate Turkish delight. That happened to me. <laughs> right, right, at, right. That, at that one uh, where where Tomo kind of did a did a set and, and I and I sort of told a story about uh, living in Finsbury Park and um, not in the park itself but just in the area in a house and um, and and how I just had a rucksack full of Turkish Delight all the time and this woman came up to me afterwards and said I hate Turkish Delight and I, and I, and I was like what's uh, okay and then she explained why which was that she'd um, she'd always she'd never she'd never experienced it like the sweet um she'd always imagined it as something else entirely so she she um i think she lived in america and then she moved over to the uk but um and that's why she hadn't come across it but she'd always in envisioned it as a kind of like delicious meat dish like a spicy <laughs> kebab kind of meat dish because right. turkey's very famous for, for that kind of food um and then she came here and went to woolworths and had some turkish delight and, and had a terrible time but um but yeah to the kind of the wonderful uh atmosphere created by spark london where everyone is on the verge of telling a story at all times even if they haven't been up on stage to do it you'll go to the bar afterwards and people will just compulsively tell you things which is one of my favorite things Uh, in the world right I think it's like a, like I think once people come and they tell a story, it becomes like kind of addictive. People come back for that reason, yeah. like because they're like, "Whoa!" Like I've known so many people, and they're not necessarily artists. Like you know, you, you you're an artist, I'm an artist, but and I don't think there's. I'm not meaning to make a distinction either between people and artists. No, like, they're, 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 no. everybody's kind of an artist, I think, and everybody's not an artist. I also think you know these. It's it's all much more complicated than that, but like it. I've definitely known like people who are in who are not in performance. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Sud- suddenly get the bug to be telling stories, you know, yeah. and like suddenly become performers. Really, yeah. Like, people who don't consider themselves storytellers wouldn't describe themselves as that at all. Yeah. And just kind of come along for a glass of wine and suddenly go, oh, actually, I do remember. Right. You know, this thing from my youth that I'm going to tell tell you about now, yeah. and and that's yeah, that's that's. A really beautiful thing. And I mean, a good thing about Spark as well, I guess, is that like it's not even now. now we're not even Spark London. We're 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 Spark because there's uh, Brist, there's yeah, Spark there's Bristol, Bristol, there's Spark Preston. Yeah. And you know, new franchises are always welcome to grow up anywhere like in the country. For example, Newcastle. We can <laughs> just drop a hint there. Yeah. But I mean, you know, anywhere like people can like contact. Like now, there's like a thing on the Spark. Uh, website which is let's see stories.co.uk now um with like how to set up a spark night so like it's pretty exciting the way that's all kind of going and it's not just spark as well there's all of these other true storytelling nights i'm seeing like growing up around like there's quite a few in london who aren't spark who i've told stories with or like who've come to spark you know and it's quite a supportive community at the moment because it's not big yeah that's that's the good thing and and like podcasting's like that i like supportive communities sounds like you're in one yeah in in newcastle which is great so the last thing that i ask um the last question that i ask my guests is do you have anything to plug um i think probably the best thing to say is keep an eye on sad siren theater there on twitter and if you just google it um they're based in sheffield and um i'm gonna be in their next show and 
we're all it's it's in very early stages but um but they do they do some very fine work and uh and it's worth keeping an eye on also um circus central which is the the organization that i'm in the house band for in newcastle they, what are you playing uh, all sorts of things I've been talking to a lot of people about this recently. A lot of what I do in the circus band is sit in front of a huge table of um, kind of weird percussion and sound effects stuff. So I've got like uh, loads of wooden frogs of different sizes and then a clown horn and like shakers and rattles and whistles. We've got a whistle shaped like a cat and you blow through its bum. And so, yeah, a lot of what I do is playing sound effects but I sing sometimes and also play the guitar sometimes um, but 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 a lot of it's a lot of it's um, playing the frogs which is a great position to be in um, so so yeah and I so I'm in the house band for, for Circus Central and Circus Central is a kind of um, like teaching and training organisation in Newcastle who teach circus skills um, they're very friendly and lovely and um, I do have a gig a comedy gig coming up but i suspect that this won't this will when is it it's on the 30th of january yeah it's not gonna it's not gonna come out before that so sorry about that no no worries um yeah so those those are my things those sad siren theater and uh the circus um and and also yeah if you're in newcastle come and be my friend that's that's my plug and do you have like a website or like somewhere central that people can kind of find track you down track me down um probably the best way is twitter which i sort of occasionally post things on but i mainly just talk to people through twitter so my my twitter is at lstone345 um yeah definitely if if anybody wants to to talk to me maybe that's the way to do it um if not in in real life (laughs) face to face which i also enjoy Um, brilliant Um, and so the last thing that i ask my guests to do is to say goodbye to the audience ah um goodbye (laughs) bye everybody You can see the show that Lauren was talking about that she's doing with Sad Siren Theatre from the 4th to the 7th of May at the Theatre Delicatessen in Sheffield. Uh, Lauren, if you're listening, I also know some people in Sheffield who I think it would be great if you met. So I sent a message to Lauren asking her if she had any additional plugs since we recorded and she said yes could i mention alphabetti theater theater delhi north and north east circus music network so i'll put links to all of those in the show notes and also i'll put links to what she calls her ridiculous band tatters catman and the infinite broken sequins which can be found on soundcloud If you'd like to hear my solo show about masculinity, I briefly mention in this show, but generally speaking, I'm mentioning that a lot because I want as many people to listen to it as possible. You can go over to www.mansplainingmasculinity.co.uk or you can listen on the Stand Up Tragedy podcast, which you can find on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, any kind of place where podcasts go to hang out on the internet and also that's where you can find getting better acquainted too you can also find getting better acquainted on facebook you can follow the show on twitter at gba podcast 
and you can donate to the show and support what I'm doing at www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at GooseFat101. And remember, there are lots of ways to get better acquainted. <laughs>